welcome to the Embracing Discomfort Podcast. On this episode, we'll be talking about embracing discomfort from a physical fitness standpoint. And to help us with that unique perspective, I have invited the global Highland Games 2023 bronze medalist, Clayton. Clayton, how are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on, sir. Oh, thanks for agreeing to this. Just so everybody knows, Clayton very kindly was slated to be a later episode. Um, and unfortunately, life happened, and I had to make quick arrangements to swap out episodes. And he graciously, just yesterday, said, yes, I'll do this. And so he said, we're going to do an episode on the fly. And so I'm going to turn it over to Clayton for a minute to introduce himself. Yeah. Uh, yeah, happy to be here. Don't mind doing it on the fly. It's fun. Yeah, I don't know what all what all to, to talk about about myself. It's a little weird for me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> who who do you want to be? I guess known as when when somebody is introducing Clayton, what would you want them to say? Well, you started with Highland Games, so I guess that's my that's my niche sport that I do. So that's what I'll go with. I'm a Highland Games competitor. For a lot of people, probably don't know what it is. It's Scottish heavy athletics. Uh, some people might have seen it in a couple movies, some like Braveheart. Uh, they do some demonstrations. Um, the big event people know is the caber toss. Yes. So, uh, big men in kilts, which is weird enough as it is, and then you, you add in something like the caber, which is a big tree, and you're throwing it. Uh, draws draws some crowds, some interest. <laughs> imagine that's something not a lot of people get to see every day yeah just out and about what is your favorite because there are there are nine events yeah the highland games yeah and what are your favorite events yeah so i'll start with what the nine events are so we'll do a uh braemar stone which is a 22 pound stone and you do like a standing shot put almost um so unlike the the olympic shot put you can't move you just Stand there, static, throw it as far as you can. Um, there's the open stone, which is a 16-pound stone, and it's more akin to like an Olympic shot put. You can spin, um, you can glide, whatever you want to do. You can advance towards like the throwing sector. Um, so those two are for distance. There's heavy weight for distance, which is a 56-pound weight. Um, you throw it as far as you can. There's 28-pound weight for distance, uh, same deal, throw as far as you can. There's uh, the 22-pound hammer throw, which similar to Olympic hammer, but your, your feet are static. You can't move. Um, we use boots with blades on the end, almost like a lawnmower blade, and you dig yourself into the ground, and you just kind of build momentum, swing in this ball on a stick, basically around and then throw it as far as you can. That one is definitely one that people struggle with. It's not, especially because your feet are, are stuck in the ground, it's not a natural thing to do. When you start practicing something like that, do, is there a lot of falling? There's a lot of falling. <laughs> Embracing There's the still ground. a lot of falling. Yeah. <laughs> There's still a lot of falling. It doesn't matter what level you are, people still fall. Just less. Just less. Just less. Make it look more graceful too, probably. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> some people do like rolls and stuff when they fall. Got to give the crowd some entertainment. Absolutely. 
do you guys do face paint like in the Highland, uh, you know, in Braveheart? Um, we've done that before, yeah. Oh, that is very We've done that before. Okay, I, I totally diverted. We, we sidetracked, yeah. Um, so 22-pound hammer as well, 16-pound uh, hammer. So I'm going traditional order as well. So we'll do all the, this is how we compete during the day. Um, so 22-pound hammer, 16-pound hammer. We'll, we'll go to caber toss, typically, which is big tree, log. Um, typically what we throw anywhere from 19 to like 23 or 24 feet long. And then anywhere from probably 100 to 150 pounds at the very heaviest. Wow. We'll go to sheaf toss, which is 20 pound bag. It's almost like a small hay bale, like a bag of twine is what a lot of people end up making. And we'll throw that, we'll use a, a hay fork. So similar to a pitchfork, except um, the tines, there's three tines and they're a little bit smaller, narrower, so when you throw a bag, you get some like whip off the tines and you throw it as high as you can over a bar. Wow. So, interesting event. Very uh, interesting event. One of the more dangerous events because you've got a sharp object you're throwing. Um, That's true. <laughs> and then finally we'll throw a weight for height. So that 56 pound weight for th we throw for distance comes back into play and we'll throw it as high as we can over a bar. Um, and that's one-handed as well. Oh! Okay. I learned a whole bunch of stuff and I've got so many questions. Yeah. Um, but the most important question is which of these events do you enjoy the most? I enjoy uh, Braemar Stone, um, 22 pound stone, just thrown as far as you can. That's fun. Uh, it's there's a lot of technique, but there's also just like that, a lot of just brute strength. Um, it's, I don't know, it's fun. Okay. I'm pretty good at that one. Uh, so I think things you're good at, you're naturally more like akin to, you sure. like them a little more. And then let's say caber. Caber is always fun. That one, you're never, you're rarely throwing like similar cabers. Normally it's like, brand new tree or something that's been cut down and it's something no one's ever thrown. Um, sometimes you'll throw the same ones, but it's kind of up in the air on what you're going to get. So This is fascinating, Clay. First, I didn't even know you could lift all of these weights. I mean, I knew you could lift weight just because being honest, physically, I could tell like you have strength, <laughs> but I, I have always, you know, since I started working with you, which has been a little bit over a year, been curious. I knew you were going to the Tulsa area Highland Games and then, you know, getting to a sideline approach, view your journey of going from Tulsa to kind of this regional U.S. location. So you went Tulsa, you won that particular Highland Games. You went to the country U.S. Highland Game. Where was that at? Uh... They do that one in Wichita, Kansas currently. Wichita, Kansas. And yeah. You won that. And you were our U.S. representative in Norway that you just came back from like a few weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy experience. So there's there's a few different organizations, um, like federations, I guess, with Highland Games. Big one um, here in the U.S. and in one that's recognized globally is the IHGF, International Highland Games uh, Federation, I believe. 
and they'll will host, I think, nine or ten competitions throughout the year, um, throughout the United States. And for those um, competitions, whoever wins will receive an invite to go to IHF Nationals, which is in Wichita, Kansas. Um, and then the winner of that will get an invite to go to um, IHF Amateur World Championships, which this past year was in Norway, um, in FIFA Norway, kind of up in the middle of the country. So super cool experience. Uh, just winning nationals alone last year was uh, like insane. Uh, I went in. I was obviously I wanted to do my best. It was super close competition all day, and I just ended up having a really good day. And uh, it's kind of like it's almost like the March Madness tournament. Yeah. Um, all the athletes, you never know what's going to happen on the day, and you just got to compete your best. And at the end, the winner is the winner, and it happened. And and it was you. It was me. It was cool. That is very <laughs> cool. I know I am fascinated by this. And you and I have been able to, you know, talk throughout the year as we got to know each other and kind of what this episode is about. You and I kind of bonded over our, our interest in physical fitness and some of the discomfort that we that we faced each in our own journey. And what I wanted to talk through on this episode from our audience perspective is a lot of times I think people, you know, physical fitness for them is not on the prioritization list, if you will, because of, you know, various things going on in everyone's lives. Mm -hmm. And what you and I have kind of talked about is just how good it is, not from just a a physical aspect and what it does for your body physiologically, but from the aspect of a, the ability to help keep you in a way mentally fit Yeah. and going through that process. Cause I, I disclosed to you, you know, I've gone through different periods of time where I have maybe overtrained or have taken it to a love, an unhealthy level. Cause that can happen as well. Um, and recognizing that, but also from the aspect of, for me, being physically active, doing activities I enjoy that challenge me from a physical standpoint is my own personal way of having an opportunity to have a controlled adversity and see how I handle it. Yeah, definitely. And so wanting to get your thoughts, because you are obviously internationally recognized at this point. Um, and I am so proud of that. Thank you. I mean, really, um, I, I told you of just a few weeks ago when you came back from Norway, I said, this is the closest I'm ever going to get to an Olympic athlete. Um, so just let me have this moment. Uh, cause you're very humble. Uh, humility is definitely there, but, uh, definitely something to be proud of. What do you think for you, things that you've experienced or seen that you think people should know about, you know, embracing the idea of physical fitness and how it can help them on their journey and how that discomfort and getting into a routine, you know, helps them with their growth mindset for personal growth. Yeah. I think, I think a big part of it for me is just like having to ensure that day after day you've got consistency. Um, and then, using that to set goals and then train towards those goals is a big part of it. And that's, I mean, physical fitness, there's goals in that 
um, obviously, and then that translates over to like work life, personal life, everything else. I mean, how you set goals and kind of approach them. In terms of like physical fitness, you can you can set a goal if you want to hit a squat PR or something, but you're not going to walk in the gym one day and just hit it. I mean, you have to have a training program. You have to make little baby steps at a time. It's the same kind of with everything else um, in work. If you've got some kind of goal, you're not probably not just going to immediately reach it. It's something that you have to work towards over time. And I think that's where the like the translation is. Yeah, I mean the the I guess the physical fitness aspect of it also helps in just that I guess the mental clarity that I get after I work out. So I'll work out in the morning and then after that I feel good. Um, if I wake up and I just go straight into work, um, I'm a little bit groggy. If I give myself an hour, hour and a half or something, I can go out and take the dogs for a walk or work out or do something, get my blood flowing. Um, just make sure, like, when I enter the day and enter my work day, I'm kind of already going. I'm not having to get up to speed in the morning. Absolutely. And do you feel, for me, because I, similar, I get up early in the morning so that I can have that time for myself. It's part of my self-care routine as well. Yeah. And not have to worry about anything from a family aspect, a work aspect. That is my time to myself. It's early enough that nobody should be bothering me. Yeah. And for me, because a lot of people say, I don't understand how you get up so early and you do that every morning. I've been doing it so long. And reflecting back on what you said earlier, it's a routine. So it's no longer something for me that I have to force myself to do. It's just like, would I get up and go to work that day? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I'm going to get up and be physically active that day. And it, it does. It helps from a mental clarity standpoint. It helps me be my best. Um, for me, I, I'm kind of a little bitchy if I don't get my workout in. Um, and so making sure that I've been able to alleviate whatever the stress is um, that I'm dealing with that day, be able to get that out of my system early on in the morning. Yeah, that's definitely a huge part of it for me as well. And something that I like truly get out of my workouts is that oh, even if I'm not alone, like I'll work out with my wife. Um, she pushes me really hard. Uh, her workouts stink. <laughs> um, but I might not be alone, but when I'm working out and when I'm lifting weights, uh, it's, it, I am alone in the fact that like, it's just me and my thoughts. And that's where I get to kind of like cleanse my mind and nothing else matters. Cause when you're squatting or when you're doing whatever and you've got weight, it becomes dangerous and you have to have hundred percent focus there. Yes. And that's what helps me in terms of like, I guess that clarity, the release from other issues that are going on. It's that I'm not worrying about that other stuff at that moment. Yeah. Um, the only thing that matters is, am I doing this or am I going to be in danger? Um, and you have to be intentional with yeah, your focus. Yeah, you have to be intentional. And it's kind of nice to not think about. I follow Apple Fitness Plus that has really helped me because I have an instructor telling me what to do. I don't have to think about anything. Yeah, yeah. And I've got some really good music going on in the background that I didn't have to come up with a playlist. 
and I just do what they tell me to do. And yes, it sucks in the moment. And, you know, my muscles are quivering and sometimes you're thinking, oh my gosh, I can't do this. But then you do it uh-huh. and you get that. I can do hard things. I can push past this. I can make yeah. myself, you know, do that. Is that something that you think, uh, for me, it took a long time to develop. I couldn't do it, you know, ref- again, just reflecting back on what you said earlier, I couldn't walk into a gym and, and hit this certain weight or hold a plank for, you know, however long. I had to work myself up to it and set measurable goals that I intentionally and purposely started to increase, you know, intervals over time. Yeah. And not expecting myself to hit, you know, a 300 pound squat or whatever deadlift. Yeah. Um, I'm similar to you. I like following the set program. I don't do Apple, the Apple fitness. It sounds really interesting. Same with like Peloton. Those classes sound super interesting. Um, and my wife does something similar. She's got set training program from someone uh, but being able to just walk in and not have to think about what you're going to do that day, uh, super awesome. Just it takes that I guess variable out of the equation. On I can choose to do it or not, but I don't have to pick like what am I going to do that day. <laughs> Absolutely, and you know when I initially, you know probably a, a decade ago, I was trying to do my own programming, and I you know noticed I'm excluding things that I don't do well at, that I don't like to do. And now I just do those things without knowing that they're coming. And that makes it a little bit easier. Yeah. You don't get to, you don't, you don't get the heads up to get, get out of it. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, curtsy lunges, side lunges, not my favorite, but they make me stronger. Yeah. My big, my big weakness and what I've, I tried to, so Wednesdays I'll take a day off of lifting weights, but I'll, in the morning, it's like today's Wednesday, we take the dogs for a walk at a minimum. And I try to run because I'm terrible at running. I hate endurance, endurance anything. I've done biking and I've done like 60 some mile bike rides. And that's not fun, um, but running just kills me. I hate it. But it's something that I try to do because I know it's like important and it's just a part of overall like fitness and being healthy. Absolutely. Uh, one of the things the Apple instructors say is consistency and variety are what makes a healthy life. Um, and I think that applies not just from a physical fitness aspect, but just life in general. And if you're not, you know, physical fitness to me is an easy way that pretty much anybody can get into trying to have that mindset and expose themselves to discomfort. Having a lab, if if you will, your own personal lab where you can experience adversity or try to push your resilience or try to push past whatever that mental block is. Yeah. Yeah. The that that personal lab that you just mentioned, being able to push yourself to the limit, that's to me also an important part of it. Um so I think early on and like failing and trying to find out what your limits are is a huge part of like setting that training program and finding out what milestones you want to hit and knowing that say if you're training and you hit failure on some kind of lift a bench press or a squat or it doesn't matter 
but knowing how to get out of that situation. So when you do fail, you, you're comfortable. So when you're in your training program and you're pushing towards your milestones, you know you can go to failure and you know you're comfortable getting to that point to where you're not going to panic the second a failure comes. You know what to do. That's a really good point. And that applies in everything. Yeah. I'm thinking my law enforcement career, you would do training and simulations and yeah. be able to practice in a controlled environment, real world examples of failures that other law enforcement individuals had experienced. And I know we kind of do that. That's similar in, in certain industries like energy and I know first responders in general really utilize that highly because it gives you an opportunity to be able to think through it without having to face it, without having that thought process. Mm -hmm. And, hey, you can figure out a way to get past it. You can have time to rethink something maybe before that happens to you. And maybe it doesn't happen to you, that particular situation, but it'll apply to something else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's real similar, like project work that we've got going on. Um, a big part of, of initiating closing projects is like lessons learned. Did we do something like this in the past? Um, if we did, what happened? Did it go well? Did not not go well? And how do you change that going forward if you have those lessons? Um, just a big component of, I think, success. Absolutely. Okay. So now I have to ask, when did you start? When did you say, hey, I think I'm interested in this Highland Games thing. And how long from that point did it take you to become the bronze medalist? (laughs) I'm just curious. Uh, So I think 2018 is when I first started. And so kind of the background, because it's, Highland Games is a weird sport. It's not a huge community, um, and it's a really close community, just not a lot of people, um, maybe a couple thousand in the United States. Globally, it's a little bigger, but in the United States, it's not huge. 2018, um, I was working for a healthcare company in St. Louis, and I had... Uh, known about Highland Games, I'd heard about it in like a podcast or something. I was like, this is interesting. I found out that a colleague um, that worked at the hospital competed. Mm-hmm. So just out of the blue, I was like, this is weird. I'm going to talk to this guy and just I want to find out more about it because I was interested. So I emailed him, uh, just said, hey, uh, I heard you do something like this. Do you want to go grab lunch and just kind of chat about it? I'm, this is interesting to me. I don't I just want to learn more. Right. And he, we ended up going to get lunch, and he invited me out um, to train with him and his brother, uh, who also competed. So I went out to their little area, and kind of they showed me all the different events they do, and they were terrible. I was terrible at them. Um, the weights were heavy, and it stinks. It's real awkward. But... I was just immediately hooked. And I think a big part of that, too, is the fact that I went out there with not only uh, those two individuals, but a group of other people that were, like, super supportive. That helps. So I was immediately hooked. All the people were super nice, and and everyone's there to grow. Um, Not everyone's competing to be the best in the world, maybe, but you're competing against yourself, and similar to your gym, you want to hit a PR or something. It's the same in Highland Games. 
every competition you want to hit a PR. You're chasing. You just want to be yourself. It's, Absolutely. It's, comparison is a thief of joy. Yeah. Yeah. So if you can hit a PR, uh, that's a fantastic day. <laughs> and in nine events, too, my dad. Wow. Back yeah. to back? Is it like back to back to back or is there like time between? How long do you get to rest? Because that's a lot of weight. Um, so it's it's all back to back. Typically there's nine to ten competitors. So you'll get three attempts at each event. So um, starting traditionally with the Braemar, you'll get three attempts at Braemar, three at Open, three at... You just go down a list basically, three attempts at each. We generally start at like 9.30 or so in the morning, and we'll get done by 4 or 5 p.m. So you're, you're, it's an all-day event, mm-hmm. but what you have 27 throws, maybe more. With the, with the height events, uh, you'll go up foot by foot, and it's kind of a last man standing. So you get three attempts at each height. If you make one, you move on to the next. If not, you're eliminated. So you can do more than 27, but at a minimum, there's typically 27 throws during the day. Wow. Wow. How long did it take you to feel like I've got this or that you realize I've got something here, like I can really compete? So, yeah, I went out uh, with, um, it was, Nick was the the gentleman I worked with at BJC and his brother George. And after that first practice, I was like, hey, this is, this is interesting. I want to keep doing it. They told me about a local competition. I signed up, and at that competition, um, I was competing as like a novice, first-time thrower. Uh, I found, I guess, some of the numbers I were hitting were not typical. So, like, my weight for height number was 15 feet, which is like, as a novice thrower, is unheard of um like it happens but i was just like naturally good at that event uh typical good numbers now is like 16 feet um, oh wow and then the the i think the record is 18 or 19 feet so wow but i found out after my first game that i was like i can do this i was naturally a little bit good um but a little bit that, good. That natural talent stopped immediately right there. And it, I mean, it's... Then it was work. Yeah, it, it's all work. <laughs> yeah, it's all work. But it was something that you enjoyed and were able... I mean, obviously, you've done amazing, amazing at this. And I'm just thoroughly impressed. Well, thank you. Which one do you like the least? I'm just curious. Least? Uh, I mean, it... It's the heavyweight for distance, the 56 pound for distance. Yes. With, I wouldn't like that either. With the, yeah, with the 56 for height, it's the same weight, but you're throwing it up. It's kind of more of a, it's not natural, but it's more of a natural movement. With the distance, you're like the typical way to do it is you'll spin. Um, mm. If you've ever seen like a discus throw or something, it's similar to that. So you'll, you'll spin and throw into the sector. But you're not throwing a discus that weighs whatever, t- 10 or 14 pounds, or I'm not sure how much discus weigh. It's yeah. around there. You're throwing 56 pounds. Yeah. So That's, uh... it doesn't matter how strong you are. Um, <laughs> the, the, yeah. 
it sucks for everyone. <laughs> that is awesome. Well, hey, I appreciate you coming on today. I am so excited for our listeners to get to hear your episode. Um, and then later, I think we're going to do an episode, Me, You, and Your Wife. Yeah, um, that would be awesome. To get a, her feedback on what she thinks of this episode and then to kind of explore her journey um, and things that she's experienced. Yeah, she's good at making me embrace discomfort. <laughs> like I said, her workouts kick my butt. That is awesome. I well, opt out of them. <laughs> you opt out of them. We're going to have to hear about some of these. Well, thank you, Clayton. I appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks, Sarah. Appreciate you having me on. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Embracing Discomfort podcast and for joining me on this journey of growth and exploration. Before we part ways, I have some exciting bonus content to share with you. I know how important it is to put learning into action. That's why I've prepared various recorded audio exercises that will help you stretch your boundaries and embrace discomfort like a pro. From exclusive curated music previews designed to inspire and energize you to guided visualization exercises and confidence-boosting challenges. These resources are only available on Spotify and they're here to support you on your personal growth journey. You can find me on Spotify by searching Embracing Discomfort or check out my blog and pod site embracingdiscomfort.blog. Remember... Embracing discomfort is a continuous process, and this podcast is just the beginning. Keep pushing your limits and exploring new possibilities. Thank you for being part of this journey. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, and share it with your friends who are ready to step outside their comfort zones. Stay curious, stay uncomfortable, and until next time, Keep embracing the discomfort.